1: Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Ange of Supergirl Comic Box Commentary. And uh, Ange, we're glad to have you back on Supergirl Radio. You've you've come and uh, discussed an episode of the show with us before, but this is the, the first time we're actually going to be talking about your website and uh, your interest in Supergirl comics. So we're glad to have you back. Thanks for being with us.
2: Yeah, well, thanks so much for inviting. You know, obviously, I really love this character. So any time I can talk about her at length um, is a good time for me.
1: Well, we certainly enjoy talking about Supergirl, and so we're excited to talk to you about Supergirl. So I guess the first thing we could uh, start talking about, because your website, Supergirl Comic Box Commentary, is the most thorough, the most comprehensive Supergirl website on the internet. That's uh, that's my endorsement for your website. Uh, I really appreciate all the hard work you put in over the years to really... Uh, chronicle the history of the character, and so I, I am. I'm very appreciative of the work that you put into that. So I was curious, uh, just to tell our listeners why you wanted to start doing a website about Supergirl and what uh, what has been your experience uh, 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 writing on the site.
2: So uh, it's hard for me to believe, but I'm actually um, have been on the internet for 12 years with the site, which I think is just crazy. And uh, if you go back to um, 2008, I was kind of in a time at work where I just needed something creative to do outside of like work and other responsibilities just so that I could kind of like stretch my legs a little bit. And so I said, you know, let me do a blog about comic books because I love comic books and whether or not it gets out to anybody or not, who cares? Um, It'll just be sort of me writing into the ether, um, but it'll at least be creative. And I kind of struggled at first, sort of trying to figure out, like, what I was going to talk about because there are so many. And I just said, you know, let me just concentrate on something that I know very, very well. Um, Let me concentrate on Supergirl. And part of that reason was because if you go back to that time period, actually, like the first month that I started, uh, we were in the middle of – the story arc uh, that I call Saving Thomas, uh, which you guys have covered.
1: Yeah, The the Way of the World?
2: Yes, yes, where she promises that young child with cancer that she will save him. And the thing about that was that I thought that that was a decent storyline, and definitely in comparison to all of the stuff that had happened beforehand. So if you look at the first 18 issues of that comic, uh, she, uh, it is a very bad representation of Supergirl. She's kind of a brat. She hates being on Earth. She you know, uh, shakes her booty to get into bars under age. She thinks that Jor-El has sent her to earth to kill Superman. She may or may not have shot up a high school on Krypton. So, (laughs) you know, uh, so there's all this stuff out there that says like, I don't even recognize this character anymore. And the thing that's made me sad was that there were going to be people out there that that was the first Supergirl that they had ever encountered. Because again, remember, she died in 1986. And the then another Supergirl came, but it wasn't Kara Zor-El, and then this Supergirl came. And I said, they're going to think that that's what Supergirl is. That's horrible, like the fact that – so I'm going to like just celebrate her character, um, and I'll cover all of the current comics, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to say why I love her and, and all of those sort of things. And So that was kind of the impetus um, for me to sort of start the site, um, uh, and then it has just sort of grown since then.
1: That's really interesting because when you first started telling that story I was like, "Oh no, if if he didn't like that so much, why did he keep going?" But uh <laughs> but I but I think that's a a great uh reason to do it, uh to to tell people why you like the character of Supergirl. So I'm glad that you kept going even if the uh the first thing you might have uh uh, dipped your toe in for the site was uh, a story that you didn't like very much um that says a lot about your love for for the character so i i certainly appreciate that cuz sometimes it is difficult uh and uh, I, I will probably get into this in various forms of uh talking about the show or talking about the comics that there are sometimes stories that you maybe don't like as much and sometimes you uh, as a fan sometimes it's it's a struggle to kind of keep with it but if you love the character enough you will want to you know see it through so sometimes that is I, I guess the quandary of a fan uh that you you'll you'll have ebbs and flows with different storytellers and different takes on the character
2: yeah i i mean i'll go back i'll say i thought way of the world was a very good story and certainly certainly much much better than the stuff that came behind um it just so happened that at that time when i started that is what was happening um and so i think the like second- second to last part of that is actually like the first current comic that i reviewed on the site
1: yeah yeah there are parts of the way of the world that i like i like uh, because i'm a cancer survivor i do sort of take it you know personally that you know supergirl wants to uh, cure a little boy of cancer um, so i do like that aspect of it but to be honest some of the other parts of the story are kind of forgettable um although i think is that the one that has resurrection man in it yes that was like my first encounter with resurrection man so i do remember that was the, the other memorable part of that. Who is Resurrection Man? I think this might have been before I started on the podcast. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I was uh, reading that in uh, season zero for Supergirl Radio. So, so, Ange, would you like to explain Resurrection Man uh, to Morgan? Yeah,
2: he basically has a power that um, uh, he, when he gets killed, uh, he is resurrected, and every time he's re- resurrected, he has a new superpower, but it's random. So he has <laughs> no idea what's going to happen, what he's going to be able to do when he comes back. And so Supergirl actually uh, in that story is like, I am going to repeatedly kill you until you come back with the power to heal. And then I'm going to have you heal him. Uh, Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) It's a little bit of a dark turn for her. Ah, That's a little dark. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that I say about that storyline is that, you know, I mean, we'll probably talk about things we love about the character is that for me, it's always that, you know, she's a young hero. She has this huge shadow, right? There's, you know, the you know the shadow of Superman is always on her, right? People expect her to be like him, but she's still learning, and a lot of times she, you know, she fails or she's going to try to do something and uh, and it's not always going to work. And so, um, unlike the stuff that happened before that, at least her her goal here was was noble, right? I like. You know, I'm not going to, you know, stop a meteor from destroying Earth. I'm just going to try to save this one kid because I promised him that I would do that. That's like a noble goal, right? Before that, she was like, I hate everybody. I hate Earth. I think I'm going to kill Superman. That's not cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Her heart was in the right place with Resurrection Man, (laughs) even if uh, maybe she took it a little too far. Let's be honest. Um, But yeah, Resurrection Man is a very interesting character. I don't know that it would be such a bad deal uh, to A, come back to life. And then B to have a super different superpower every time. I don't know. I mean, maybe there are superpowers that you wouldn't want to have. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't seem like such a bad deal. Uh, so, uh, Res- Resurrection Man is just a very interesting character uh, for me. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's really interesting. Well, um, Ange, would you like to tell our listeners kind of what things you cover on the site? Because uh, you cover a whole bunch of different things. But what, what would you explain? How would you explain Supergirl comic box ca- commentary to people who haven't visited the site before?
2: Yeah, well, first, I'll apologize for the name because the name is terrible. But back when I was making the blog, I didn't know that I was going to concentrate on Supergirl. And I just said, I'll name it Comic Box Commentary because it'll be about commentary on comic books. Um, And then I just left the name. I probably should have started over with something new. But um, I review comics um, and I review new comics because I'm still one of those guys that goes to the comic book store every week. So I review Supergirl comics. I review Superman comics. I review Legion of Superheroes comics and then anything that is kind of like quasi super family related. So if there's a Superboy comic, I'll review that. If there's a Superwoman comic, I'll review that. Um, I'm reviewing Young Justice these days because Superboy, the one from the 1990s, is back and is in that. But I also look back at old comics because I've been collecting comics forever and I'm old. Um, and so uh, I do what I call sort of uh, back issue reviews or Um, you know, going to the long boxes, and I'll try to find Supergirl stories from the past that somehow have some sort of connection with something that's happening now. So I didn't want there to be like this was, I'm going to start out with Action 252, her first appearance, and just review every story that she's ever been moving forward. I I wanted it to be a little bit different. So I kind of like hop all around the place when I look at um, back issues. So I go all the way back to the Silver Age uh, and into sort of the Bronze Age. Um, But then I'm a really big fan of hers. So I go to comic book conventions and I get sketches of her. Um, if they come out with action figures, I get action figures. I have like a little collection and, um, and I try to do my best to sort of like, see if I can get interviews with comic book creators and sort of talk about the character as much as I possibly can. Um, so it's kind of, um, it, I would say it's predominantly Supergirl and Superman family, um, but there are other little things that I cover now. and then.
1: You have inspired me because I love that you share your commissions. At that I now whenever we start going back to conventions, <laughs> whenever that is <laughs> yeah. a possibility, I wanna start doing that myself because that's that's a unique one of a kind drawing that you get. Uh, from somebody and so I, I that that's really inspired me like why don't I do that like get it get commissions do that more often
2: yeah it's it's for me it's great and I always try to pick um as I look at um, the convention um docket of guests I always try to see if there's anybody who has some sort of history with the character and I sort of try to get them to, to see if I can get a commission from them um but if there are also artists that I really really love that have never drawn her I like to go up to them and uh and get a drawing from them as well so um and I've been doing that for a long time as well. So uh, so there are plenty of sketches on my site if you want to take a look. Um, and I do only get Supergirl, although I do branch out into her different costumes, uh, depending upon what the artist is and what I think their strong suit would be.
1: Oh, uh, have you ever gotten a commission? You, you may know what I'm talking about. But uh, Margaret, who was a fan in, uh, I think, like the the 70s uh she drew a uh a, a costume that was it looked like there was no way that the costume would uh stay on her uh that's like <laughs> that's my that's like one of my favorite supergirl costumes is uh margaret I, th- I don't know if she was from new york i don't know but she she like they took submissions from readers and i was like you know good for margaret i don't know that that would ever work <laughs> but good for her she drew a costume and it got put into a comic that's more than I can say.
2: I try to stay away from those ones from Adventure Comics, because some of those are really, really crazy. Um, uh, so, but I probably know the one that you think about, which basically looks like um, a Y of fabric that's uh, on the front.
1: <laughs> I think we're thinking of the same one. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of my all time faves, even though it's completely ridiculous. Uh, but uh, Margaret, I'm still a fan. So if you're if you're somewhere <laughs> listening to this. Uh, You drew one of the most memorable Supergirl costumes.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I just saw it. (laughs) It's on like a CBR list of like best and worst Supergirl costumes.
1: (laughs) It better be on the best. That's where I would put it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would put it on the best.
0: Props to Margaret. Apparently, this is from like um, 1971. (laughs) It's just like, it's just this like strip of fabric in the front. And then it and then like little hot pants. Like, I don't understand. (laughs)
1: I, uh, Comicker girl, uh, Sarah Luver drew, uh, one, uh, once, uh, she drew a version of it and I'm like, that, that I think I would, I would want somebody to draw like a, as a commission just, just to see their take on it. Uh, but yeah, so, th- the, the commissions I think are a really cool idea cause it gets, um, it gets a, you know, it gets people who, uh, like you said, like people who have drawn the character who, who haven't just to see what their take is. Uh, and I, I think that's a really unique thing that you've done to, to collect those, uh, commissions. Um, speaking of collections, I know this is audio, but do you have, uh, and do you have any, uh, Supergirl memorabilia that you think is, uh, is unique or, or do you have anything that's a favorite in your collection of Supergirl items?
2: Yeah. If you go to the site and you, uh, one of the tags is called shrine. Like I have like a shrine of all of, those, <laughs> uh, of, all of the statues and things like that. And, um, there's one that's actually a very nice statue that's a reproduction of um, the Action uh, 252 cover of her sort of coming out of the rocket. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, is really, really great. Um, so that's probably my favorite big piece. Um, but last year, I also got one that was um, an enormous statue of her in like her costume from the 70s, which is sort of like the puffy sleeves and the tennis shorts. Uh, and it's this enormous statue that was too big for even uh, the display that I have uh, in my house. So uh, it's it's on like a, a large shelf in my office at work, which I'm sure people walk into my office and they're like, what the heck is that? But, you know, that's OK. I
0: want I want to uh, I want to figure with the Margaret costume now. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be
1: amazing?
0: They should they should be immortalizing that uh, amazing costume. <laughs> yeah. Good luck.
2: From a a commission point of view, one of the ones that I, um, uh, there's another uh, somebody who I work with who also gets commissions, who knew Jim Mooney, um, who drew like all, almost all of the Supergirl adventures in um, the Silver Age. So we didn't draw her first appearance, but basically every appearance afterwards in Action Comics. And he was in his 90s. And somehow this guy knew him and put me in touch with him. And so I was actually able to get a sketch from him. Wow, uh, it, it's just crazy. So, uh, so I feel very lucky that that I was able to get that.
1: That is really, really cool. Well, um, I guess that leads into uh, a question about what what your favorite era of Supergirl comics is, because I I took up a a, a project uh, last year, a year and a half ago, uh, to read from. Uh, the Silver Age up until uh, trying to get to the most recent things. Because there were, you know, I had dabbled in a, a couple of different eras at different times, but I'd never d- done like a read through it. I'm still sort of reading through uh, the 80s a little bit um so there there's a very very much a difference in each of the eras so i was uh curious about what your favorite might be if you had to pick a favorite era in supergirl comics what what would you say
2: yeah you know these are always tough questions for me because i'm such a huge fan and i think that like each era has uh its own um uh parts that i think are brilliant uh and that like really makes me love them but if you asked me hey if there was somebody that you wanted to recommend uh, this era of supergirl to read to sort of understand the character at um at her best i would have to say sterling gates and jamal igel so uh because they came on really i would say at a very low point in the character and it was clear that both of them loved the character had a respect for her history um and knew um who she should be and what she should be like and just put together brilliant issues thereafter so that would be my overall favorite in terms of um uh, era and era that I would recommend. But there's also that weird period in the 90s where Supergirl wasn't Kryptonian, but was the protoplasm matrix from the Pocky universe.
0: And, uh-huh. <laughs> and then there's
2: that, right?
0: There's, I'm sorry, uh, no. come again?
2: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, welcome. I uh, can try to explain this as best as possible. And then even more strange is that there was that um, uh, series uh, where that protoplasm merged with a human girl named Linda Danvers who was actually like, probably a Satan worshiper and not the best person. And when they (laughs) emerged, they became like an earth angel over the course of time. You learn that she actually, because Matrix sacrificed herself in that way, she's been touched with like godly power. And it's a very, very, like, obviously I could probably talk about that for an hour and still not fully explain it. But the first 50 issues of that run represent a very long form story of, um, The beginning of that character, the discovery of what she can be, a fall when she becomes too proud, and then ultimate redemption. That, um, as a block of books, those first 50 issues, I think, um, are absolutely tremendous. Not your classic Supergirl by any means, but a Supergirl and certainly an excellent story. And the one thing I'll say about Peter David is that he loves, he is an unabashed Supergirl fan. And so he was able to put into that series, even though uh, it is this protoplasm Earth Angel. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of touches from the old series. So there's a comet, the super horse in that book, and there is Dick Malvern, and mm-hmm. she live in Leesburg. Yeah,
1: Bernie Act Five in is in there for a little bit. Right? Yep.
2: Yeah. So there's there's all sorts of stuff that sort of like harken back to her prior stuff.
1: Yeah, Morgan, um, when we have more time to dedicate to comics, I, I want us to read through the Peter David run together if we if we have time, because I think I'm you excited. Would en- this sounds amazing. <laughs> I, th- I think you would really like it because Ange uh Morgan and I have this weird fascination with cults that we can't really fully explain yeah. uh to people. <laughs> and I think I Morgan, I think you would enjoy the the the, the take on the Linda Danvers character there because it is Bizarre and wacko, but the storytelling is actually really good. I'm excited. I feel like you've talked about this run before, so I'm I'm totally down. Yeah, no, it's it's a long read. It, it will it will take a, a significant amount of time to go through it, but I think it's really worth it. I I dipped my toe into it during season zero of Supergirl Radio, but just sort of uh, at the point where the Linda Danvers version meets the Kara Zor El version in oh, yeah. in that run. So I only read that part, and I'm like wait what supergirl marries superman and has a kid together what is this like I, i was like what is happening here um, but then when I went to go back and reread from the beginning of that, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense now.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, and I'll say that even though it's like one to 50, it's sort of broken up into nice chunks. That There's definitely sort of like a, an arc, almost like you would think like a television series. So the first nine issues are sort of like, what am I really? And then like the next 12 issues are like, oh, but I'm something even more than that. And then it's like, oh, now I'm at the height of my power. So there's really almost like a hero's journey through those 50 issues.
1: Yeah, I um, the Peter David run uh, really surprised me when I went to go back and reread it all the way through. It's just, it, the storytelling is very mature. The art is uh, very sophisticated and has a lot of meaning in it. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that. So I, I always, now I always recommend the Peter David run to people, even though it is so far beyond what most people think of Supergirl. Um, but yeah, the Sterling Gates uh, run is always a, a recommended uh a uh, bit of reading that I put out there for people. And I was surprised and um, how much I enjoy the adventure comics. I really love that era as well that I've, I've found myself really enjoying the the read through in those.
2: Yeah. You know, it's fascinating that uh, when you look at that period um, and Morgan, this is sort of like uh, early, 70, late 60s, early 70s, late sixties, early seventies, where she headlined this comic called adventure comics. Um, I think they were trying to like transition uh, comic book characters into becoming a little bit more mature. So, you know, this was like when Batman stopped being silly, like the television show, and became the Dark Knight detective, and like Wonder Woman was like, "I renounce my powers. I'm going to put on a pantsuit and learn karate." Um, <laughs> and and I think with Supergirl, they said, "Look, we're going to have a graduate college. She's going to become a camera woman in San Francisco, uh, and she's going to really be sort of more like instead of like oh, on the kid sidekick learning the the gig, I'm going to be." you know uh, an adult superheroine but they also must have had all of these stories like already done and sitting in a drawer somewhere where she was still like i'm going to visit a haunted house and so you the- <laughs> yeah. you like you read the first like part of that run and it's like the front story looks like it should be like in the 1950s and the back story she's in like wicked mod psychedelic clothes and like going to Chinatown and um so it is a very interesting run, and certainly Mike Sikowski, who was the um artist on that and the writer on that um uh is very famous for having been on uh doing runs on Justice League and Wonder Woman and things like that so it is it's a it's an interesting uh, almost like timepiece uh, to sort of read those uh, and sort of see her transition into kind of more of a grown up
1: yeah what I found uh from reading starting with the Silver Age through you know in chronological order, I found that the, you know the Silver Age is a lot of uh the stories would be like there would be three setups. There would be this thing that happened and this thing that happened and then this other thing that happened and then the story was over. That was kind of the formula that would be there for Superman and Supergirl stories. Then once you get into the 70s and 80s, that changes. It be, they tell a little more... uh uh, the the stories become more serialized, I think, and there's there's uh, more substance to them uh, versus some of that formulaic formulaic writing that they were doing in the Silver Age. So it was it was neat to to read through them and, and see the change in uh, not only the tone but uh, in the way the stories were written. So I thought that was a really interesting eye opening thing for me there. And um, Morgan, this is also the era that I think you would enjoy because this is when Nasty Luther is introduced. Um, yeah, yeah. so Ange <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on Nasty Luther?
2: You know uh, so the interesting thing about her is that so she's Lex Luthor's niece but she's not Lena's daughter, right? And so I don't know is it like well they call him uncle Lex but she's not really a niece or <laughs> is it like a second cousin twice removed? <laughs> but you know she's like the standard foil uh for supergirl but she doesn't have uh the super intelligence of lex so i actually like her because she can be like a little bit catty she's like you know i'm going to date the hot guy who's the um the newspaper or the television reporter so i'm just going to make like uh poor linda danvers look like a fool um and i'm convinced she's supergirl so i'm going to uh you know uncover her secret identity Uh, and she does have kind of like a little nasty you know, twist to her. So uh, I'm glad that there was sort of like a unique uh, person that uh, was an irritant uh, for Supergirl, which I think is different than, like you say, those almost like super sweet stories of the Silver Age. Um, uh, It was good to sort of have somebody that was kind of like in her face trying to mess up her life.
1: Yeah, I like that she has her own uh, nemesis, her own Luther uh, nemesis in those stories. Although in the Silver Age, Lena was her friend. That's Um. right. Yeah, so I guess they had to find a new uh, a new Luther to provide some uh, trouble for her. <laughs> They're like there's always another Luther, don't worry.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and more than you might not know, but the uh, but Lena in the comics has like telepathic powers where she can read minds. So
0: uh, <laughs> What? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. So I uh, I'm what I'm hearing is like a bunch of ideas that we need to pitch to the writers for next season. They've got a lot of time. And I think um uh, Lena Luther
1: that can like read your mind terrifying yeah i kind of wish they had maybe used that as how she found out about (laughs) cara's secret identity wouldn't that that would have been been a cool reveal oh well i guess they they needed to have uh lena shoot lex and uh find out that way
0: Uh, what what if she got these like mind reading powers and then every room that she walked into she was like
1: I am dressed appropriately how dare you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she she constantly hears people questioning her her wardrobe choice. <laughs> exactly She can feel it defensive
2: Right or she hears everybody saying like why is everybody so you know obsessed with my clavicles
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's I, like I just don't get it <laughs> I think that would be a very uh uh necessary f- uh, power for lena luther on the tv series uh certainly um well so we've talked about a little bit about supergirl comics in, in terms of the eras do you have a, a favorite supergirl story like can you can you nail down like an individual story that you can think of that would be one you would recommend
2: yeah um so uh it's going to sound a little bit uh contrary but Um, you know, she dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven in uh, in the eighties and she's gone from comics for uh, several years. Right. And, and there's not even a Kryptonian Supergirl for until 2004, I think. Um, so that issue though is, you know, this was like a huge, uh, miniseries in DC comics that reestablished what their continuity was going to be. And she saves Superman and really saves the multiverse, um, but in so doing sacrifices herself and dies. And so I used to hate that issue because it would be like, oh, the people at DC Comics thought that Supergirl was worthless. They thought that they could just kill her off and nobody would mind. And she's my favorite character. And why would they do that? But since she's come back, that issue now stands out as such a hallmark of Crisis on Infinite Earths and uh, an important issue in comic book history. And then that idea of her dying, Um, has kind of like crept into all of the newer iterations of supergirl where like old fans are like oh i'm just waiting for her to die and sometimes writers riff on that like sterling gates definitely had a strong riff on her uh, like you know seeing how she died when she visited the future and uh, um so i would say that definitely is um uh, a great issue a lot of people say that's the best supergirl story ever written but i i don't want to say that because of course she dies in it and i and uh and i don't know if i want to put that much of a bow on it in terms of like a story that's like an arc i would say the uh bizarro girl arc that sterling gates and jamal eigel did um, yeah. is a is a great arc because that is a car kind of at her lowest right she starts out where it's just after new krypton she had just been reunited with her parents and then both of them die within like a month of her, uh, you know, she thought they were dead. They turn out to be alive. And then within a month, they're both dead again. Oh, the no. world of new, <laughs> right. The world of new Krypton gets reformed and then gets destroyed. She thinks she's back in her culture. It's gone. Um, and so she starts off basically saying, like, she's not going to be Supergirl anymore. She's basically depressed. Right. Um, and then she meets this bizarro girl and throughout the course of that story, they start to like realize like boy we're not really like opposites of each other we're kind of reflections of each other because bizarro girl ends up going through some emotional turmoil that, that helps supergirl come to grips with what she's dealing with and of course in the end she comes back and says like no i have to you know um i have to like deal with this uh, tragedy in my life but in a healthy way um and come back and be a hero uh i think that story arc is brilliant
1: yeah, I love Bizarro Girl. That was probably, like, I already liked the character of Supergirl, but that story made me love the character of Supergirl. Uh, so I would definitely recommend uh, Bizarro Girl to uh, people. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's other stories. I mean, the the death is, uh, for me, I, I find it to be pretty uh, reverent uh to the character of Supergirl. i know some people probably would see that as oh well they just wanted to kill her off so that superman could be the only kryptonian and she doesn't matter but uh but i love the idea that you know superman wraps her up and and does he wrap her up in a cape i can't remember he wraps her yeah. up at he wraps her up in something, and then he he sort of buries her in space. And f- for some reason, I I just I think that's so that's lovely that she she's returned back to, uh you know space where you know she she's from she's from another planet, uh so it, even in in death I I thought that that was uh you know really well done that she's she does it to save Superman so, um I I do think that the death is a pretty monumental story that um. As uh, me looking at it from someone who didn't experience it when it was happening uh, in in the day that it was written and released, uh, me just coming into it afterwards, I see it as uh, very well done. Uh, so I, I definitely like uh, that story.
2: You, you know, certainly they could have done it where she was like killed by you know, uh, some scrub, right? Or that she gets killed off screen. The fact that the whole issue revolves around her as the being like the star, I think, like you say, is is reverent. And if she never came back afterwards, then I think that I would kind of be like, boy, it's bittersweet because it's a great story, but she's never returned. But the fact that she comes back, I'm kind of able to look at it with a different lens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That that gives um, our listeners some uh, reading material. If they haven't read some of those stories before, definitely go check those out because um, I don't think people realize that Supergirl has been around since 1959. There's a ton. I mean, and you know, because you've written about it and we know because we try to talk <laughs> about as much as we can for the podcast, but there's so much Supergirl stuff out there. It's 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 almost to the point where it's overwhelming how many Supergirl stories there are. And I, I, I think... Um, some people in in the general public may just know her as Superman's cousin but she has so many of her own individual stories that are out there just waiting to be read and watched. Um, so I would definitely encourage people, if you haven't read some of these stories, or if you haven't seen, you know, uh, Justice League Unlimited, where she does uh, get the get the sort of the tease of her possible death, like you talked about, Ange. They, you know, even on the, even in the cartoons, they've um, played around with the idea of, of Supergirl's death and some of those animated uh, versions of the character. So, I mean, there's tons of stuff. Uh, so definitely, um, you know, if, if you think there's uh, if, if, if you're sitting around waiting for the show to come back, this is probably a good time to delve into some Supergirl stories because uh, there's a lot out there uh, ready to be consumed.
2: Yeah, certainly that image of her on the cover of Crisis of Superman holding her dead body has been seen even on the show, right? Like yeah. the first episode that Tyler Hopeland came on, there's him holding her like that, you know, so everybody sort of realizes what that image means.
1: Yeah, I was even reading um, to prepare for our, um, was it, it was the Leviathan spotlight that we did. Uh, there were some issues that I had to kind of go back Uh, and reread and there were there was a an homage with uh it was like a superman uh theme park in the story and (laughs) and they had two like cast members what disney calls like the people who work at the theme park um who who sort of reenacted the superman super girl death thing so it's 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 an homage it's a very famous image that gets uh redone quite a bit because it's just it's so famous um And I guess uh, that sort of leads me into this next question. We've talked a lot about some of her her most well-known stories, Supergirl's most famous stories. But is there one that you think uh, people maybe should shine more of a light on or that people don't know about maybe they should
2: yeah you know it's you know the you told me that you were going to ask me this question about like you know what is a little known Supergirl story and it's so hard for me because I'm like well doesn't everybody know about this strange tiny little (laughs) story right like I don't know what's not well known and not well known because I'm so immersed in this but um I have some ideas so the first thing I'll say is that you know way early on in her um Silver Age stuff uh around like Action 279 so really she's only been around. There is um, a three-part story where she fights someone called Lesla Lar, which yes. I think you've talked about.
0: Ah, Lesla Lar.
2: Right? The look-alike evil scientist. And I think the thing <laughs> that is, that interests me about that is that there are two things. One, um, it was very rare for there to be multiple part comic book stories back then, right? You like every issue was like done in one. And the Supergirl stuff definitely was like very rarely continued. So for there to be a three-part story. Um, where she faces off against this, you know, villain that is truly just her own, um, I think is fascinating. Um, and then the 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 offshoot of that is that, believe it or not, she gets brought back in the late 70s and early 80s uh, in the Supergirl strip in Superman Family. Um, where um uh, at the end of the spoiler alert for the story from 1961 uh <laughs> she gets she gets vaporized at the end of that story by the phantom zone villains but her consciousness is so evil it lives and so <laughs> um in superman family for um almost a year there's this like um sh- like bodiless cloud that is um like inhabiting things and trying to destroy supergirl that turns out to be uh, the consciousness of Les Lalar and then they end up having a battle in like the astral plane. So, <gasps> so I always think it's very interesting that, you know, here is this little known villain who is in three backup stories from 1961 that somebody at TC comics was like, she was a fascinating character. Let me bring her back as kind of a behind the scenes villain in 1981. Right. Um, and you know, I always say we're blessed, uh, right. In that there's Wikipedia and the internet and, constant re-pumping out and reprinting of these things. In 1981, I doubt anybody knew who Les Lallor was. I doubt there were people who had read those issues, right? You, you had to get the little box underneath that said like, see Action Comics 279, right? So, <laughs> yes. um, so, so, um, uh, so I just think that that's like somebody deep enmeshed in continuity who clearly cared about Supergirl. Um, wrote that story, so that sort of like the Les Larr bookends, um, I think, is a great story, just to sort of see Supergirl at her very beginning, and then sort of like when she's much more established later on.
1: You're so right about the the Les Lallard, uh way of telling stories, because it was when I was reading through the Silver Age uh, from from beginning to to end, it was. Uh, very noticeable when that happened when there is that multiple uh issue arc there that it was so different from what had come before and I think that's why I liked Lezalar as a character so much is because I got to spend more time with her you know I didn't read just one issue and she went away like I actually got to spend time with les I got I got irritated with her because she kept taking over Linda's life and re- yeah. replacing her and I was like Ugh, Lesla So um well, I uh Lesla Lar. Lesla Lar Um, so i really uh i took to that villain because i did get to spend time with her and so i think that was uh such a notable change there in the the silver age so yeah i highly recommend um checking out was the lark she is pretty devious i did not know about the astral plane situation so i'm gonna have to look out for that i need to go find that
2: yeah superman family number 206 i'm here for you
1: the superman family i that's that's the one sort of section of supergirl comics i haven't Uh, delved into yet and i think that's the 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 series of stories where she's on a sacred hearts is that right
2: that's right so so it's it's very interesting you can tell that dc just did not know what to do with her because when you look at her character right so she becomes this camera woman on an on the scene san francisco um tv news uh, team and then then she becomes uh, a student at an acting college, and then she becomes a guidance counselor at a school, and then she becomes a soap opera star, and then she becomes <laughs> a grad student in criminal psychology, all within wow. like a uh, ten-year period, right? And and Man, she's busy. <laughs> that's right. And and as you and as you think about that, that means that she sort of like ages up and down multiple times uh, uh, during her timeline without anybody really mentioning it. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's just interesting that clearly D.C. was like, we have to. What can she do? We should like her do that. And every artist had a different idea Um, in that 1980s comic, which was written by Paul Kupperberg and drawn by Carmen Infantino, The Daring New Adventures, where she lives in Chicago as a grad student in criminal psychology. um, I just uh, covered a story where she fights uh, someone named Blackstar. Uh, and uh, the whole story of, involves um, neo-Nazis coming into Chicago and uh, and how there are protests and violence in the city and things like that. So um, I recently covered it on the site because it kind of resonated with real times. Uh, and so I would say that's another little known story that I think is worth revisiting. Um, and then lastly, I don't know if you, you may have talked about it here. Um, Probably about uh, 10 or 12 years ago now, there was an all-ages comic called uh, Supergirl Cosmic Adventures in the Eighth Grade, um, which was a six-issue miniseries that, if you love Supergirl, even as an adult, you can read it and love it because they just jam-packed it with a lot of her history. Lena is a huge character in that. um, But it's also something that you can give, like, an eight-year-old girl, and they'll think it's the best thing. Or an eight-year-old boy, and they'll think it's the best thing.
1: Yeah, we've we've had that on our to-do list to cover for years now and just trying to find time I was to, to say
0: it sounded so familiar to me. Yeah,
1: we I there there's we're cause we need to get back into covering the the recent comics, and so it's just trying to find the right time to. Uh, we, we probably will have lots of time with the the hiatus before season six, so we may be able to get to it. But yeah, uh, that that's a that's a and the art is really good in uh, the Cosmic Adventures. I really enjoyed the art there. Um, so those those are really uh, great recommendations. And I will echo uh, the Black Star uh, story. I've kind of been going through because I'm still sort of in that time period reading through them, and it's really heavy. Um, just the the notion that people uh in in that uh, city where Supergirl is, I think it's Chicago. Is it? In that when she's in Chicago, um, she uh she hears about all these like attacks on Jewish people and all that. It's really it's very heavy. Um, so that that's that's a more serious uh storyline for Supergirl during that era. But um, Black Star is a very terror. I mean, Black Star kind of creeps me out. Um, so that I think um. Is, if you're, if you're interested in a little more serious take on Supergirl, that's probably a good story to read as well, just cause it's, um, to me, it stands out, um, in terms of tone. Uh, just cause it is really kind of scary. Yeah. And so since we're here talking about villains, uh, we've gotten, uh, the question a couple of times about how, uh, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, the Supergirl show just uses Superman villains. And, you know, they might assume that Supergirl doesn't have her own villains. Um, I was wondering, Ange, do you think we can make a, I mean, do you already have a list on your site of Supergirl villains, um, for us to reference or, do we need to make one? Cause I know there's some people on the internet who have sort of made some lists, but some of them I haven't found to be complete. So yeah. I didn't know if there was a, a site maybe, or, or a page on your site or a list you had that, uh, that maybe we could reference if we needed to.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm writing that down now to make a list of villains that Ooh. I can sort of, <laughs> of put in a separate place. That's a great yes.
1: idea. Yes.
0: Nice.
2: Um, you know, you you have to remember that she's been through all of these different carnations and all of these different continuities. And so there are villains that are specifically hers. But like some are for the, you know, New 52 Supergirl and some are for the, you know, Supergirl, the Rebirth Supergirl and some are for others. But, um, you know, uh, certainly you can think about things um, like Les Lalar back then, uh, Reactron, the gang um, uh, in that Chicago run Um she always fights somebody named Satan Girl. I'm kind of tipping off uh, things I want to talk about a little bit later, um, who I think is great. She fought this guy called the Carnivian. He was the ultimate villain in that uh Peter David run that went from one to fifty. And then people like Rain, when you think about uh, you know, the new fifty-two, there was rain and the world killers. So um, but I'm sure that it can be much more comprehensive than that, and so I'll do my best. That's not a bad idea to sort of like say like these are the ones that are specifically hers. You know, uh, Sterling Gates did the um, the Dollmaker, which was Toyman's son, um, who was terrifying, uh, and then Bizarro Girl, of course, as well.
1: Right? Yeah, and uh, a few of them that I kind of wish people would know about. Uh, Black Flame, I think, is yes. one. Um, of course, we talked about Black Star. Um, there's actually a character named Starfire, which is not the Starfire of Teen Titans, uh, is another Starfire um, that she uh, ran into a couple of times. Um, and I also, uh, I, I'm like I said, I'm still run reading through that 70s and 80s time period, which I think a lot of her villains are are introduced during that time period. Um, Psy, uh, you mentioned Reactron, um, and there's a, a Barry Metzner who becomes future Dash Man. Do you know who I'm talking yes, about? The yes, weir- yes. I weirdest do. character, weirdest character design. But that is one
2: of the things that I'll say about that 80s run is that Paul Kupperberg, who was the writer, really wanted to cement her as like she is no longer Superman's sidekick or Superman's secret weapon. She's her own hero. She's going to have her own villains. And so a lot of those, um, Those characters that even uh, uh, Sterling Gates and the show um, picked up um, are from that run. So uh, great to mention Psy, who I can't believe I forgot. I love Psy.
1: Yeah, Psy is uh, uh, one of my favorites. So uh, anytime there's a Psy in a Supergirl story, I'm all about it. But yeah, I think. uh... And if, if you don't if you don't mind, we, we, we would love a list. I mean, you can put a list together. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that, that would be cool. That'd be a great um, resource uh, for the site, just because I know that some people, you know, some people question it, that she doesn't have her own villains. And she definitely does. Um, so who would you say, uh, Ange is like your favorite Supergirl villain?
2: If I had to pick one. Um, I would say, uh, I'm a big fan of Reactron, um, because he was such a threat for her back in the eighties. And then the take that Sterling Gates and Jamal Eigel had on him, on him, uh, in their run, um, was really one horrifying because he was just this ruthless killer. Remember he killed zor right? Mm. So there is a, there is a definite connection between these two characters, um, uh, those two, you know, that Cars RL and that on that just ups the ante. Um, so I think that uh, that he would probably be, if I had to, you know, put my nickel down on the one that I would love to see uh, again, uh, it would be him. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, Sai is a very close second. We definitely have seen her both in that '80s run in the uh, Adventures of Supergirl uh, uh, story that Sterling Gates wrote, um, and even a version of her in the Rebirth run with Steve Orlando.
1: And both of those characters showed up on the CW Supergirl. So what did you think about getting to see Reactron and Psy in live action?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, boy, the Reactron episode is like episode two of season one, right? It's very early. Um, And the thing that I remember most about that Um, You may remember is that at the end, sight unseen, Superman texts Supergirl um, (laughs) at the end of that episode. It says something like, I'm very proud of you, cousin. Yeah. unfortunately, in that episode, Reactron is Superman's villain, who she then has to fight. And he's the only person that defeated Superman, right? Isn't there some line like that? Um, uh, So I do, do, as somebody who has lived through many uh, years of Superman not being pleased with what Supergirl did to have that piece at the end of the episode where he texted her. um, "Okay, waving my nerd flag, I may have welled up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I can also tell you, I think Sterling Gates welled up because I think he tweeted that he welled up uh, at that point. It was great to see that. Um, I also thought that the take on Cy on the show was so strange with that that fascination with nursery rhymes was yeah, just... Yeah, that was weird. It was
1: Yeah,
2: it was so weird, but um, but in a great way. Like, uh, I was just like, why is she saying nursery rhymes all the time? It's kind of scary uh, and weird. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I thought the actress was great. So, uh, so I, I really enjoyed seeing those. Anytime they bring in a Supergirl villain from the comics onto the show, like, if you ask me who is my favorite Supergirl villain that has been on the show, um, their take on Rain was tremendous like that fight scene uh, isn't there a fight scene at like a christmas party like yeah, that's a, yeah that's, right? a, that's a
1: good one i think that episode right. is actually called brain in yeah. uh, season I think three oh so, yeah
2: that fight is such a brawl like uh and for uh, um, a television show to to put that much special effects and, and make it that feel that real um you knew she was like an actual threat Um, So I really liked uh, their take on Rain more than the comic take.
1: That was the only episode that I've ever had like a water cooler moment about the Supergirl TV series because... I think it was it must have been that Monday because it would have aired on Sunday and I went into work and uh, uh one of my coworkers came up to me because he knew I did a podcast about Supergirl and he was like oh, did you see that episode this week and he just like couldn't get over it um and so <laughs> that was that was a really exciting uh time in the Supergirl TV series because that really was a, a very tremendous episode uh because it was very unexpected that Supergirl would, you know, kind of get her butt kicked um and yes. it, um, and and we were concerned about what would happen to her it was kind of unknown and and it's it's funny i always talk about it on Supergirl radio but um Uh, a a dead animal and this is uh, this is uh, hopefully going to come out as a compliment but she doesn't look like a threatening person like she doesn't look like somebody you would fear uh but when she becomes rain she is scary i don't know if it's like the way she carries herself or the voice modulation or what but uh she i i I think she she might be the the best supergirl villain on the show i i don't know i guess it's up for debate but um but yeah, she's she's definitely one of the best, um, and I would echo your your uh, uh, thoughts about Psy and the nursery rhymes. Uh, just to to let people know, she doesn't do that in the comics. That's uh that's not some, <laughs> that's not a trait of hers uh, from the source material. So I think that's why um, if uh, if you did know about Psy in the comics, you would think it was a little strange. Uh, but they they did some cool things with her abilities. Uh, though, so I, I kind of went with the nursery rhyme thing just because uh, her her powers were, uh, I think, uh, well executed on the show.
2: Yes, I agree.
1: Let's see. Uh, in terms of villains, uh, I know you were sort of tracking the Leviathan stuff that was going on in the comics recently. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on Leviathan in mm-hmm. comics, and what are your thoughts on Leviathan on the show?
2: Uh, so. Uh- I don't know if I can actually quite answer about Leviathan on the show because I'm still trying to figure out exactly what they are. Um, <laughs> because uh, you know, I, I definitely I listen to your show. They're the, the
0: greatest time. threat ever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Right. I have to echo you, uh, Morgan, uh, completely when you were like, it was so eerie at the end of the prior season when, you know, Leviathan could be anybody. It could be this old lady sitting on the bench. Anybody walking down the street could be a member of Leviathan. And then it's like, no, it's four weird aliens. Um, so, <laughs>
0: and, and their main thing is to launch a product. <laughs>
2: that's, that's right. We'll bring the best virtual reality to the world to destroy. <laughs> so, um, So uh, I I have to say, I don't know if I was a a big fan of Leviathan on the show. Now, Leviathan in the comics was interesting because it was an actual mystery. You didn't know who uh, Leviathan was. There was actually like a, a leader of Leviathan that you were trying to figure out. And um, it may have obsessed me during the, uh, when the comics was coming out as I was really trying to pour over the clues to sort of see if I could figure out who it was. And I actually thought for sure it was going to end up being um, Ted Cord, who is Blue Beetle in the com- comics, that he would have gone bad. Um, I had plenty of clues that I thought supported me. But it turned out it was a little character named Mark Shaw, who is a member of the Manhunter um, cult. So you guys might be interested in that. (laughs) Uh, We're
0: cult. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes. He's been a character that has kind of been like um, at times a hero, at times a villain. And Leviathan is kind of uh, in the same way. Leviathan just wants to bring peace and not have any secrecy in the world and and wants like total transparency. And so he thinks he's a good guy. But his... um, The the means that he tries to bring about that goal is wrong, Uh, and he's not against blowing things up and attacking people. So, um, not many people know about Mark Shaw because he's kind of a D-list character in DC, and I don't know if the clues were there to necessarily figure out it was him. Um, But uh, I've kind of uh, I do enjoy him because he's a significant enough threat to sort of um, to make Superman worry. He has a lot of technology that can teleport and blow things up, and, and, um, and he certainly has an army behind him. So uh, I think the Leviathan comic take is better than um, uh, the Leviathan uh, pencil script take, uh, to <laughs> coin a phrase that you guys use. Uh, because yes I listen to you guys all the time and I think you do a great job.
1: Well, uh, thank you. Uh, that's that that's too a, kind. that's an honor that that you would listen to our our, our silly takes. Um but uh yeah, I, that sounds the most recent take on Leviathan in the comic sounds a whole lot better with stupid Italian oh, ghoul who oh, I can't stand. <laughs> um, but uh but yeah, that's that's uh, I think Leviathan is a is a a group of characters, I guess, or a character. I don't know how you would describe Leviathan as one person or like a, a, an organization. Um, But it's, I think it's, it's ripe for a mystery. So, um, so it is kind of strange that the show sort of let us know who Leviathan was instead of letting us guess. I think that would have been a more uh, exciting way to extend the season as if we had to figure it out. But um, yeah. We we were let in pretty early on. I think who, who Leviathan <laughs> was, uh, so that sort of took all the the fun out of it. Um, uh, before we stop talking about the comics, uh, I wanted to also ask you, Ange, about uh, one of our favorite uh, characters here on Supergirl Radio. He's he's not a villain, uh, but he seems to be embroiled in controversy. And I was just wondering, has Comet the Super Horse always been? a controversial character?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, in the retrospect of time, uh, he probably is a little bit more controversial than when he first came out. Um, You know, uh, I think that when you uh, look at the history of Supergirl, they were like, well, you know, this is um, a character so that girls will read comics. Again, I'm not saying this is right <laughs> or wrong, right? But is,
0: you know, you know what, yourself. girls love horses. I, That's I, I, right, I'm not wrong. <laughs> girl, <laughs> girl, back in the girl, day.
2: Yes, girls love kitty cats, so we'll give her a cat, and girls love horses, so we'll give her a horse, and then of <laughs> course, you know, girls love romance, so let's make horse.
1: I mean, you're three for three, really, is uh, right, is know, the thing. So, right. They cross yeah. some of those wires. It's like, we, we
0: love romance and horses. We like those things separate, though. <laughs> no,
2: exactly. Exactly. And so now you read those stories, and you're kind of like, oh, it's kind of icky, right? And you can make all the jokes like, oh, look, she's riding her boyfriend, right? I mean, like, you know, ha, 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 and feel free to edit that out if it's too uh, risque for the show, but... um. Uh, but you look back at those now, and, and it's a little bit weird. And then his story is so convoluted that I, I think I get it wrong every time. He was a centaur that wanted to be a man who became a horse, or <laughs> he was a horse who wanted to be a man and became a centaur. I mean, it's a no. He's a centaur that wanted to be a man and became a horse and then was trapped on a comet, and then can only become human when there was a comet nearby, and then he becomes a cowboy. Um, so. <laughs> It's all very strange. It's a,
1: uh, little, it's a little convoluted, especially then when you get into the Peter David run, then it gets really uh, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. And it would be interesting to hear. Uh, I'm probably not the best person, um, uh, but it would be interesting to hear other people's take because, um, again, remember that the Supergirl in that era is the Matrix protoplasm. Who has merged with a sinful uh, Linda de
1: satanic cult member?
2: Right, and then Comet is a, a stand-up uh, comedian who is <laughs> um, the, a stand-up comedian who is um, out as gay.
0: Wait, um, does he just come up like as a horse? Uh,
1: like, no, a no, 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 no. The horse is not a stand-up. <laughs>
0: no. right, so, I'm just imagining him like going off to yeah. the mic, like Seinfeld. Like you're like, what's the deal with hay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's a it's a woman um, lesbian stand up comic who has had who has been like forced out of her house because her parents don't um, agree with that lifestyle and uh, she merges with um, an alien who is like horse like in appearance but doesn't have four legs but like um, and who is uh, a criminal and they're both dying on a mountain and they merged much the same way that Linda and Matrix does and they become the Earth Angel of Love. And so when Supergirl is near Comet, um, in, the, in this super form, um, uh, he appears to be outwardly male, and she is very attracted to him. But when they depower, they turn back into Andy, who is the woman. Um, and so there are gender issues and sexuality and all sorts of things that make her, for uh, him, they, um, a very fascinating character. And certainly, I would say, um, at least ahead of the time, back when that comic came out.
1: You explained that so well. <laughs> that is such a complicated <laughs> version of Comet oh. the Superhorse. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> you explained that, so I'm I'm really impressed, Ange. You explained that so well. I probably would have tripped over trying to explain that, but you did such a good job. Nailed it. Uh, but yeah, so Comet's uh, seen uh, a lot of different iterations and uh, maybe one of these days we'll we'll try to do a, a character spotlight on Comet the Super Horse because uh what I'm discovering is a lot of people don't actually know about Comet the Super Horse and I kind of feel like um you know if you're gonna watch the Supergirl show and if you're gonna be a fan of Supergirl you gotta know about Comet the Super Horse uh so I was just uh curious if um If if Common had always been one of those characters that people had always kind of been like, what is the deal with this character?
2: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you that there are two more places that you should look if you're going to do a deep dive. One is that he does show up in that Cosmic Adventures in the eighth grade. So you definitely should look. Um, But I think he's only a horse there. Um, But then there are a number of stories of um, the Legion of Super Pets. That right. includes Streaky, Crypto, Beppo, the super monkey, um, <laughs> and Comet, the super horse. Uh, and so they sort of have their own little animal game uh, that you can sort of find stories that are uh, revolve around all of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that would be uh, definitely something to look into because uh, I haven't, I, I've read a little bit of the, like uh, the issue, the more recent issues. I think there was a Super uh, Super Sons issue that had Streaky and Crypto and some of those other uh, yes. uh Members of the Legion of Super Pets in it, and uh, so that's kind of where I've seen some of that. But of course, in the Silver Age, there's a lot of Comet, there's a lot of Streaky, there's a lot of Crypto. So if you're if you're into those stories, the Silver Age is probably where you're going to get most of that. But of course, like Crypto shows up in Rebirth. Um, and so there's some of that there. So, all right. Well, I, I just wanted to pick your brain about uh, Comet because we <laughs> we had talked so much about Comet here lately. Um, okay, so we've talked about comics and the things that you cover on your site and, um, and what you think about some of those other era of uh, Supergirl stories. But of course, Supergirl has found resurgence thanks to the TV show. And I was just curious what your... Uh I I just kind of wanted to to pick your uh pick your mind uh about uh what you thought of the show in season 5 and and where do you think it's heading in in season 6
2: One of the things that has happened over the last couple of seasons that I know that you guys feel is that um the show has really become an ensemble show to the point that sometimes Supergirl feels like a supporting character in her own mm. television show Um uh so I I just wish that there would be more of a focus on her as kind of like, you know, the axle that the show revolves around and have her supporting characters be supporting characters or maybe stop adding more supporting characters that have to each have their own sort of storyline. I really would like her to sort of be the star of the show. Um, I would love there to be an ending of uh, one of the seasons where there wasn't a big speech about hope uh, that... Uh, <laughs> saves the day like wouldn't it be great if the, the the saving of the day is her like punching somebody out um uh, I, I wouldn't be against that not that i don't mind the hope speeches because of course you know the whole like you know hope help and compassion for all i'm all about that that is like the um you know the foundation of who supergirl is but um like this this last season when she's like i'm going to tell everybody to get off the vr because like you know um, I know you're hurting and that's why you're going in here, but come back to the real world. I'm like, I think that's probably 2% of the people that are there and 98% of the people are there because they want to, like, you know, ski.
0: You yeah. Know, right? yeah. Right, you know? Uh, and,
2: and they can't afford skiing. And so, like, her being like, you know, I know you're hurting. And the guy's like, why are you interrupting me? Like, um, you know, I'm on the beach. Um, <laughs> so so I, uh, I didn't quite think that um, that would work uh, in that particular ending. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that, I know that it is a very socially progressive show, and I actually don't mind the fact that it's sort of socially progressive. I think that's great, um, but I find sometimes that it's like let's do a socially progressive story that Supergirl is in, instead of it being like let's do a Supergirl story that tackles a socially progressive topic. Um, uh, be, uh, if that if that makes sense, sometimes I think yeah,
0: I think uh, I think we complain about the uh, sort of the tail wagging the dog on the storylines. Yeah a lot because it's like it's not it's the execution not the the concept a lot of the times where i'll be like what why what are you doing
2: (laughs) yeah exactly it's like it's an agenda that has a story attached to it instead of a story that has an agenda um and uh and i sometimes struggle with that some of the episodes are almost like cringeworthy as they try to like ham-fistedly beat what they're trying to tell you into you um uh, and it's not that I disagree with what they're trying to say, but, um, but there are better ways to say it. So those would be the things that I would say. I'm looking forward to season six. I hope that they sort of wrap up the Leviathan thing. Um, it was very weird that Crisis was in the middle of this because Eve went from being like a robot to, to being Eve again. Oh, I uh,
1: know. <laughs> I <don't>
0: know. Uh, <laughs> I'm still not It's robot. very
1: upsetting. <laughs> so,
2: uh, um. Uh, but I'm glad it's on the air because it certainly has brought the the character sort of like much more public notoriety. I tell people that, you know, when I started the site, people at work were like, there's no such thing as Supergirl. And I would be like, no, she has been around since 1959. So now at least like people know that there was a Supergirl. I do think it's a shame, though, that if somebody walked into a comic book store right now and is like, I'm a fan of the show. Can where is the Supergirl comic? There isn't one on the shelf. And had they read Mm -hmm. the comic in the last couple of years, um, she is unrecognizable. uh, And that was not a very good run. Um, So it's kind of sad, but that's okay. At least the show is still
1: on. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Ang, hearing your thoughts on it, Uh, this is going to sound maybe uh, a little selfish or egotistical, but it feels very validating to hear your opinion because it lines up very closely to what we've said on here on the podcast. Uh, because I don't think it's too unreasonable to ask that the show focus on Supergirl, the uh, lead title character of the show. Uh, so, uh, so I, it makes me feel better to know that other people, uh, think that as well, because I, I I didn't know if that was, uh, completely unreasonable, but I don't think it is. If
0: you were going to add some elements from the comics... To the the show next season,
1: what would you be pitching the writers? Because
0: we're always pitching them weird things, but
1: <laughs> I mean, we're going hard for nasty. For nasty, we're going so hard no, for nasty.
0: <laughs> nasty is
2: a, is a is a great one. Um, uh, I think that that's a that's a good idea. I think that what I would do is I would actually have her quit Catco. Because I think there's a little bit too much like Clark Kent is a journalist, she's a journalist, and have her do something um, a little bit different. Uh, And I wouldn't mind seeing her like, I'm going to go back to school and be a grad student again, or, or even say like, take advantage of Melissa Benoist and say like, you know, maybe I'll just be like a nightclub singer. That would be so
1: sort of strange. <laughs> Or um, a soap opera actress. That would be my dream. soap
2: opera actress. That would absolutely <laughs> be a dream. And then I think the other thing that I would say is that, you know, they kind of force-fed the William romance with me. And so um, I might kind of say, like, bring back some of the Midvale stuff. Like, I like those Midvale episodes. And it would be good to sort of see Helen Slater back and maybe, um, like, have somebody from her – like childhood now re-enter her life. Um, and so that you can kind of get a few flashbacks and kind of get a better sense of like what it was like to grow up as her.
1: Oh, yeah. I would love to see more Midvale stuff just because there's so much uh, Kara history that we don't know. <laughs> you know, we, we've we had just a few of those little um, young Kara flashbacks, but it's not a, a lot to really understand what she went through before we got to CatCo. So, yeah, I I think those are great stories. I'm sure we could, uh, you know, brainstorm and come up with, we could probably break a full season, I I feel like. I I think we could come up with a a lot of good stories. Um, But that I would definitely be up for uh, more Midvale and more uh, Eliza on the show. All right. Well, uh, Ange, is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with about your site or about Supergirl?
2: Well, um, I'll say a few things. One, um, if there are any villains that you're interested in that you know the name, um, uh, there's like a search key on the side of my site. So if you wanted to say like, oh, I want to learn more about Sai, you can find all of the times that I've talked about Psy and you can go there. So there may not be a comprehensive list, but if there's somebody that you want to look up, you can look it up there. I do cover the show on the site. So if you ever want to read my very long winded reviews and where I kind of like skewer or praise, um, you can do that. And then um, I just have to mention Satan Girl one more time as an obscure villain that I love (laughs) because she was like a red kryptonite clone of Supergirl in the Silver Age. She was like a young girl, uh, evil witch in the Peter David run, and then she was a demonic alien in the Sterling Gates run. So she's had three different uh, takes, but in three different eras of Supergirl. So I feel she is. um, I would love to see a version of Satan Girl on the show if I if I could do one more uh, request. And thank you so much for inviting me because I'm a huge fan of your show. I love hearing you guys. I laugh. I listen to podcasts on the way to work. And I laugh. I laugh about, you know, ballroom or uh, uh, boardroom and and, uh, thank you for letting me uh, give you a comment pitch um, and uh, I just appreciate all the work you guys oh
1: my gosh anytime you want to pitch things from the comics uh, to the show and and have us uh, you know submit uh, free ideas to the show you're welcome to anytime I think Satan Girl is a great pitch (laughs) Uh, she's she's she like you said she's been in many Supergirl stories I, I think she is a a good villain for supergirl so uh i definitely think those are those are ideas that are worth exploring if i was a writer on the show uh which i <laughs> which i'm not i'm also not a director on the show, if you do see the name Rebecca Johnson, that is not me. Uh, that's another more talented uh, Rebecca Johnson. So, just wanted to clarify that. Um, the only thing I will say, Ange, about your site is there's not enough Snapper Car content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so that would be something that I would request uh, <laughs> if you wanted to uh, cr- chronicle the uh, Snapper Car at all. Uh, That's the only thing I would add to
0: yourself. I think that's a spinoff blog right there. (laughs) (laughs) Snapper car commentary.
1: Oh, man. Somebody's got to write that blog. That's good stuff. Um, but yeah, no, thank you, Ange, for, for everything that you do. And, uh, if anybody is interested in visiting, I highly recommend that you do. You can go to comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com. And like Ange said, um, he's got great uh, keywords. So you can search directly for a character, a writer, um, anything that you need. He's got it on the site. And it's, it's such a good site. You do such a good job, Ange. And I just want to thank you for everything that you do because I think, um, Supergirl is a character that, um, uh, has a lot, uh, to her and there's a lot about her. And I'm glad somebody's out there, um, uh, documenting all that. Cause that's kind of what you're doing is you're, you're kind of, um, uh, creating a historical context for the character. And that's, that's awesome. So I really appreciate that you do that. Well, thanks so much. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. And uh, if you want to contact us here at Supergirl Radio, you, you can comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail and you can call us 678 718 7252. Ang will recognize that 252 there. That was intentional. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can definitely call us and leave us a voicemail if you'd like. Uh, you can also uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We also have a Spotify musical playlist that features music uh, that's on and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser. Uh, we're on DC's fan page, which you can find at DC comics.com slash dc-fans we're also available on apple podcasts and stitcher radio so if you have some time we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review and uh, you can find all of those links to everything i just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page and uh we're also supergirl radio is a, a part of the DC TV podcast network uh morgan do you want to Maybe uh, tell tell the listeners about the DC TV Podcast Network? Sure, I would love to.
0: Um, <laughs> so I don't have a list of the shows, so I'm just going to spit, I'm going to be like it. jazz, improvisational, <laughs> like jazz. So sure. if you like uh, other DC TV shows like The Flash or like Legends of Tomorrow or like Black Lightning, Batwoman, Titans, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a thing, um, the upcoming Superman and Lois show. Um, Stargirl is yeah. on currently and it's also a podcast we have. Or many of our oh, DC TV after dark, one that I host and almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> you should listen to the other podcasts and subscribe to the DC TV podcast mega feed. I'm sure I forgot some shows. <laughs> I mentioned black lightning, right? <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. We, we so always want to mention
1: black that black, twice.
0: I always mention it twice. I'm like, listen, listen to that one twice. (laughs) (laughs) I always think I forget it. I feel like I definitely did forget some.
1: I think it gives people enough of an incentive to go check out DCTV podcasts. I
0: think the point is that there's too many shows, uh, (laughs) just too many of them.
1: (laughs) DCTV podcasts. There's too many now. (laughs) <laughs> all right. Well, uh if you can, if you want to check me out on the internet, you can find me on Instagram at the derby kid. Uh I've got a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com/duckmilkprod and I am in the works of trying to find a way to breathe more life into that YouTube channel cuz I haven't made a video of, for that channel in like a year. So, I'm trying to get more content up there cuz I realized I had all these subscribers and I was like I have not done anything for this channel in forever. So uh, I'm going to try to maybe do some things. Uh, So if you want to uh, check out some of my videos, you can do that at youtube.com slash duckmilkprad.
0: Nice. I'm going to be excited to see when something new pops up. (laughs) That will be happening. I promise. (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at mojotastic. You can also find my cats on Instagram. This is very important. They're uh, the, the lab cats on Instagram. Uh, they're always getting into shenanigans. The newest is that um, Beaker figured out how to jump up onto the kitchen counters. Oh, um, he loves it. Uh, and what he's really living for right now is, it's just walking into the sink. Oh, um, yeah. So it's been fun here. I don't like it, uh, but he doesn't care. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun content like that. Um, you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast and on my new po- new-ish podcast, uh, DCTV, Ather Dark, where um, we're just sort of sitting down and chatting with uh, the other hosts from all the 100 podcasts on this network. <laughs> and so just having sort of a, a chill conversation about what we're into right now. So that's that's been fun.
1: I'm learning all kinds of things from DC uh, TV After Dark. So uh, I've, I've really been enjoying the podcast so far.
0: I've had to like start taking down notes while we record of like the things that we talk about because afterwards I have no memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, do I need to get a picture of, like, Seinfeld in the puffy shirt? Why do I feel like that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's some reason that that came to mind. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great podcast. Everybody should go and subscribe. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. Now that you know about it, you should go check out comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com.